This podcast is made possible by supporters like you. Mahalo. And by Atlas Insurance Agency, Hawaii's largest professional agency, helping Hawaii navigate insurance solutions since 1929. More at atlasinsurance.com. Aloha, my kako. Welcome to a new episode of What School You Went? We start every conversation with this question. I'm Ron Mizutani, and today we're talking about Hawaii's beautiful and also mysterious black sand beaches. What's the source of these magical beaches, and why is Hawaii the most common area in the world to find them? We welcome archaeologist Alan Carpenter, State Parks Assistant Administrator with the DLNR, the Department of Land and Natural Resources. Welcome, Alan, to PBS Hawaii. Aloha. Good to have you here. Very good to have you here. Uh, Before we dive into it, i got to ask, what school you went? I went Skyline High School, Oakland, California. No kidding. Yeah. Skyline. They have a lot of great athletes came out of Skyline. They do. The Titans. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the Titans. The Titans. Oh, can you sing me a verse from your alma mater? I cannot. (laughs) Hey, cannot or you will not? Will not. <laughs> so, Alan, hey, wel- welcome again to, to, to What's Cool You and appreciate it. Um, so you, you've been at, at the DLNR for decades. How long, how long now? 30, this is my 31st year. Amazing. And most of it as an archaeologist, a few years as a planner, and um, then something of a meteoric rise into this realm we call administration, which right. is basically where um, we get paid to make decisions. And um, so there's a lot of important ones to be made in that Absolutely. Yeah, our DLNR... Sometimes uh, um, under, underappreciated, uh, appreciate the great work that you folks do across our state and, and not just at our beaches and our lands, but in, our, in everywhere that has uh, uh, your jurisdiction, if you will. A lot, of, a lot of folks say, oh, that's not my jurisdiction. Well, the deal in art covers a lot of it. A lot of it. A lot of it. A lot of it. Yeah. Of it. What brought you here? I mean, what brought you to Hawaii then? So work. Um, I, I graduated from uh, Berkeley and, um, you know, my... My, one of my professors in my last year there uh, was sort of the guy who wrote the book on Hawaiian archaeology, uh, Pat Kirch. And he, um, he said there was, you know, work to be done, go forth to the Pacific. And uh, so I came out here and um, was hired by the Bishop Museum as a field archaeologist. And I thought I was coming just for the summer. And I guess I'm still waiting for the season to turn because here, <laughs> I, here I stay. So the seasons uh, have not turned, and thank goodness, because you've served this community well in many different capacities at the DLNR. Uh, let's let's go to Hawaii Island. And actually, there's a the the, the mis- mystery of our black sand beaches. Really, is no mystery at all. It's from our volcanoes. But tell us about why um, why this is why this fascinates people. And, and first of all, how how are black sand beaches made? Sure. Well, they're. Um First of all, they're very rare, right? I yeah. mean, the typical beach here is um, white sand or yellow sand made from coral. Um, but the black sand beaches require very specific conditions. Um, so they need, you, they need to be close to a geologically recent lava flow, right? And for that reason, because Hawaii is an active volcanic area, particularly the island of Hawaii, um, but Maui is close as well. Um, they, they form and they come and they go, depending on, you know, the, what form Pele takes. And, uh, you know, so the most recent ones were formed, I think, during the lava flow that took out Kapoho on the Big Island. And, uh, you know, I'm a parks guy, so I'll refer to my park at Mackenzie, which is just a little south of there. And when that flow hit the ocean, right, all of a sudden there's a brand new black sand beach fronting Mackenzie State Park that hadn't been there before. Um, it does take 
a specific set of conditions, though. The lava flow has to reach the ocean, mm -hmm. um, and it has to be ah-ah, right? And so it, it, when it hits the ocean because of the temperature and the movement, it, there's, something, there's a phase called exploding lava, and that exploding lava is what forms both the core of what become ili-ili, which are pebbles, and the black sand itself. So, if it, it, sorry to interrupt. So, for those who don't know what a'ai or pahoihoi is, maybe you can describe the difference because it's a different type of lava. I'm not sure what the right word is. Uh, that goes into the ocean. One's faster moving. One creeps. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, a'a is the creeping form, yeah. right? A slow moving. Um, the core is very hot, but it moves more slowly. And pahoihoi is the fast moving, the ones you see that are like rivers, mm -hmm. right? And those... They often, they'll, they'll crust on the sides and then the river will continue they get all the down attention. to the middle. They, yeah. get, they get all the They're attention. They're pretty attention. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pohoi you can't get out of the way of, right? Yeah. But uh, uh, you can literally walk right up to it and kind of watch it move. Yeah. And so this, this lava needs to reach, reach the ocean. Um, and, and, of course, Hawaii Island. You said geological timing. It, I mean, that could be decades, hundred, you know, centuries if not. Right it now. can be. But the, the so the, the most... Famous black sand beach in our park system is Waianapanapa, which is near Hanamaui. Um, but one of my favorites is at Kiholo on the Big Island, where I, coincidentally I'm going to go camping there tomorrow night with my family. Awesome. And it's, um, it's bracketed by um, two very, very recent historical lava flows. On the south is the 1801 flow, um, and on the north, it's like a seven-mile stretch. On the north is an 1859 flow. The 1859 flow is Pohoihoi. The southern flow, the 1801 flow, is ah ah, and um, it's that ah ah flow that created the black sand beach, and in particular the the ili ili, right? So, Wainapa Napa on Maui that we're going to talk about is this really tiny pocket beach, but Kiholo's it's a mile and a half long wow. stretch of ili ili um, with pockets of black sand mixed in. Really fascinating. Just it's a, fascinating. A beautiful so stark shoreline. When the ah uh, reaches the oceans and, and ocean rather, and it starts to do the you know ebb and flow of, of a tide and surf, these stones il, 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 are, they, are they smooth? Are they tough? Are they rugged? I mean, or all of the above? Very very smooth. Very so, smooth. Yeah. So ili ili refers to um, a smaller size. There's also ili would be a slightly larger one like this. Ili ili are you know really pebbles. Yeah. And so it makes it a really unique black shoreline because it, it has that combination of areas of sand, but also just these shimmering black petals. It's like glass. Petals. Yeah. Yeah, like glass yeah. particles. Exactly. Yeah. But not sharp. Not sharp at all. No. <laughs> so easy can, on the feet. Yeah. Very, very easy on the feet. Oh, yeah. I, just, I just had a, um, I, I just had a uh, vision memory. You know, local guys, they, they like to bench press. Yeah. You know, you don't work on your legs. Oh, no, I run in the sand. <laughs> so they can run in the black sand as well. There we go. Yeah. And yeah. ironically, right, the ili ili can only be formed from an aa flow. And right. aa flows are notoriously the ones that are hard on your feet. Right. Super, super sharp. But when, they, when the, that lava hits the water, those dense, the dense core part becomes the ili ili. And so that's the smooth part. Hawaiians use them to pay their, their house sites because they made them just beautiful for walking wow. on. Yeah, and sleeping on. How deep does that go? I mean, is it a, is it a deep kind of a beach or sand? Um, well, it's right, it's right along, they're often formed right, right along the, where lava cliffs sort of break, right? Mm -hmm. So there can be different heights above the, the sea level. Kihola's just a few feet, right? Maybe, maybe five at the most. So it's a gently sloping beach, a pretty sheltered bay, west uh -huh. side. Um, but, 
Yeah, not not super super deep. So no, you, no dunes, right? No, yeah, you can, yeah, but you can still dig yourself into this black sand. You, you certainly if could, you could yeah. if you wanted to. Um, what kind of marine life, though, are we talking about at these black sand beaches in the ocean and even on on sand? So I think um, that would depend on what was already offshore. Right. Um, since you bring up marine life, we can talk about Kapoho, right? The the most recent lava flow, twenty nineteen. Um, that there was a beautiful. Um, set of tide pools, right? Mm -hmm. it, it was basically formed on the, the surface of a relatively, another recent lava flow, but um, those tide pools were then filled by this new lava, right? So again, you're, you're, it's gonna take, I don't know what kind of time, but you know, the reef has to replenish itself to create the habitat for those nearshore species, right? So they, they, they're, they'll, they'll re they will return. Eventually, um, let's let's go to Maui real quick because that's another one that a lot of folks know about. Right. Not just our visitors, but of course our local residents, Mainapanapa. You have uh, you, it's one of your favorite spots as well. Yeah, and it's um, so it's it's a uh, there's there's a lot of things to talk about. We can talk about the geology, right? And yes. it, it again was formed by this massive aa flow that forms the northern part of that Wainapanapa or Pa'iloa Bay is actually the name of the bay, and um, it's interesting because it's it, it's on a kind of a rough shoreline and it's it's not that recent right but it's it's i mean geologically recent these other ones i'm talking about you know if you think about kiholo you know that's 1800s this one is probably somewhere between 1000 and 1500 years old this lava flow wow. so the that's how long that beach that's how long ago the beach was formed again geologically super recent but i still think most people associate black sand beaches with lava happening now right right um so it's, it's altogether possible um, that that beach was, in fact, exactly as it was when Hawaiians, when Polynesians first arrived here, right, in their voyaging canoes, um, where all the, all the other ones I'm talking about are relatively new. And uh, it's tiny, right? It's tiny, but it's this really, it's so picturesque because it has that, that lava flow. And then on top of that lava flow is one of the, the largest and most dense hala forests I've ever seen. So that combination, right, it's... Yeah. It, it's got this this wonderful geologic background, but it's so picturesque because you got the the deep blue water right there. The, that's one of the blackest black sand beaches. Um, that's the jagged aa flow, and then this just green blanket of this hollow forest. And so it's it's pretty the magical. Con the place. contrast is it is it's like a postcard. Uh, and there's a there's a phenomenon that happens there. I don't know if it's annually, but with, when the sea turns red. Have, I'm sure that you folks talk about that before, and and of course the visitors they 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 love stories like that. What's happening there? So that so why on Napa Napa? So that's actually not the sea. Right. So the why is the freshwater. So there are freshwater caves there, and the opai ula, which is a native shrimp found only in Hawaii, um, which is red, and when it blooms, and sometimes there's algae blooms. Um, the the waters in these these freshwater pools turn red, and then there's a, a legend about you know, a princess and a, it has a sad ending and, yes. and I don't, I, I can't, I probably can't do the, the entire story justice, but, um, you know, Hawaii is full of poetic stories um, that are related to the natural and cultural environments. And yeah, that's, that's one of them. Yeah. And, and the, they say the ocean turns of the color of blood, but there's some science behind it. Obviously the shrimp are there as well, the opai. Uh, that's, that's, that's a beautiful area. You know, when I look at some of the old photos of, and I visited a few black sand beaches on Hawaii Island, and there's 
maybe close to a dozen. How many? How many do we have on Hawaii Island? I wish I had an exact number, and I yeah. think you know, um, like I said, they are they form and they disappear. Right. They're ephemeral, especially the ones adjacent to the lava that's actually you know active. Um, you're probably in the in in the right ballpark, though. Yeah. About a dozen. Some of them like look like they have this green. Olive green. What, what is that olive green that we're seeing? So again, it's another volcanic um, process mm -hmm. that creates um, olivine. Is actually the name of it. Olivine, olivine. is a okay. glassy green-colored stone, and it has to do with the rate of cooling. Again, I don't know fully. I know it's olivine, and yeah. it forms that green sand beach. Um, but uh, it's uh, yeah. Again, that's a the specifics of it. That's a question for a volcanologist or a geologist, not an archaeologist. <laughs> well, I remember as a child uh, when we would go to field trips, if, uh, and, and then they would show you the. Uh, uh, you can almost see. Not you can almost. You can see the green, uh, sparkling in the in the in the. In exactly, the and at, yeah. at Kiholo, a big island where we're going to be tomorrow night, um, there it's very well known for that. Those those pieces of olivine are very visible in that flow. You said something earlier that, that kind of struck me. Um, I mean, as a child, really anywhere, you don't you don't take stone. You don't take with you. You definitely don't take lava with you. Or, and that's something I know that we we teach our visitors because it's so tempting to to take something that doesn't belong to you and take it back to wherever you're from. Right. Uh, but taking black sand from the uh, the area that it's at that's taboo too. I would imagine. Well, we we discourage. I mean, we basically right. preach a, a, a leave no trace, right? We want to keep our places natural, free of graffiti, free of mining, free of uh, any kind of defacing, right? But you're right. There's a deeper sort of cultural um, meaning behind uh, the landform, right? I mean, it's Pele, as I understand it, right, is actually she's she's embodied in viscous, moving lava, right, mm -hmm. and and the the black sand and the lava once it's formed are not Pele any longer, but they certainly were formed by her, by her presence, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And so it's really important to, I just think it's important to respect natural places anyway. They are, they are fragile, they are tiny, and we, you know, I, we haven't even talked about, uh, you know, what state parks has to deal with in terms of management of people, right? right. These places are also incredibly heavily visited. They're susceptible to a lot of impacts. Um, and in fact, Wayanapanape is one of those stories where we have begun to say enough is enough or even too much is too much right? mm -hmm. and so we are now regulating visitation we have a reservation system we've put capacities so um, in order to protect these places and to have higher quality experiences for those who make the mm -hmm. journey um, you know it's it's important we have to preserve these things for the future but that also includes preserving the experience. I, I love that. And you know what? There's some people that frowned upon it initially. And then, hey, whatever we got to do, wherever we have to do to protect our re natural resources, and that includes management, obviously, uh, in, all the, in all that Hawaii has to offer, not just our black sand beaches. But boy, I don't envy, <laughs> I don't envy your guys' job right now. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of abuse. There's a lot of... Uh, you know, when we just did a recent kako here at PBS Hawaii on tourism, how much tourism is too much. That's part of the plan is management. Absolutely. Um, you have to take care of that. Otherwise, why, why people come is because of the beauty. That's right. We should have done it actually long before now. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, the numbers have been ramping up. Um, we were given, you know, crisis equals opportunity. It all started with the flood on the North Shore of Kauai Absolutely. that allowed us to put in, to stop the mayhem at the 
beginning of the Colorado Trail at Haena State Park. And in 2019, we reopened with a new reservation system. And um, the secondary part of that is we are inviting locals back into places where they felt pushed out yep. for a long, long time. No, I'm, and, I'm, um, in, I'm so in it, big favor. It, it's balance, right? Sure. And so, yeah, why not and up is the second one. And just a couple months ago, uh, Diamond Head now has a yes. reservation system. So um, Long overdue. Long overdue. <laughs> long. Back, back to your point, uh, sorry, about the... Uh, the people taking things, yes. taking the sand and the rocks. You would not believe how many things we get mailed back to us, right? That if people, you know, whether there's there's a kernel of truth to it or not, but they feel that their, their indiscretion, you know, 25 years ago taking this rock from a beach in Hawaii has caused all this misfortune in their lives. And we just get packages mailed back with these letters saying, you know, please let us, <laughs> we've, we want to... We need some forgiveness for this, and, yeah. and uh, so I can perception imagine. or reality, yeah. it, it happens. Hey, it's reality. I tell you that it's reality. I can share with you not just because I watched Greg Brady in uh, the Brady Bunch when he took that home. You folks remember that scene, right? Uh, yep, yep. And all that misfortune happened to him in the ocean. But uh, there are there are so many anecdotal stories of folks who have taken lava rock, especially, uh, and then. I know of a few who actually have returned, not only to either the state, but to physically go back to where you found it. Um, and that's something that I taught my children very young, when they were youngsters, to respect and leave what does not belong to you. The reason why I brought that up though, uh, Ellen, is this, so there was this, in, in uh, Eleele on Kauai, there was a beach called Glass Beach, um, which was a hidden gem for many years and it was, built the same way, except it wasn't lava, it was, <laughs> it was uh, a dump. dump. Yeah. Uh, they created this beautiful black, uh, excuse me, beautiful beach of, of glass. And it was, I mean, it was like you're walking on gems and it was smooth and all the things, the phenomenon the ocean creates. Uh, but folks started taking Collecting. the glass. And before you know it, 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 it's not as pretty as it used to be. So it happens. Yep. Yeah. Trash to treasure, huh? Oh. Exactly, well, in that case it was, uh, it was uh, it looked like gems and, and, and such. So people do do that. I can't imagine trying to manage that. Now, there are pink sand beaches across the world, are there not? Um, and a lot of folks say, oh, do we have one here in, in Hawaii? Is it pink? Is it red? But we do have one of those in, on Maui. We do. And actually, so it's actually just a little bit south of Waianapanapa. Um, it's on the south side of um, Kauiki, which is the, it's a, Pu cinder cone that mm -hmm. forms the south side of Hana Bay, and nestled just south of that is um, the red sand beach. Kaihalulu, I think, is the name of it, mm -hmm. and um, it's uh, again formed because of a specific set of geologic processes, um, and it's because that it erupted right there at the shoreline, and it, it mixed with the water and the air, and it oxidized, right, which creates oxidation, red color. Right, so it's it's red rock, it's red cinder that then is broken down by the o action of the ocean and then redeposited as a beach. It's, it's it's red. It's not yeah, pink. It's, it's not pink. It's pretty brownish red, but it's yeah. It's but there dark, are dark there red. are beaches that are considered pink beaches on the other parts are. of yes, the world. Yes, yes. Yeah. Is Kai uh, Kai uh, uh, a state park? No, it's not. Okay. It's not. So you it's don't not. Have... It's not a. It's not a, a managed beach. I think by DLNR, it's. Um, it's one of those, you know, you gotta, you got to know how to find it 
and right. um, social media outs all that kind of stuff nowadays. But yeah. um, it used to be a, a lot more secret than it is today because of yeah. social media. But it's also you know it's yeah. it's, it's an interesting one because it's got a um, speaking of volcanoes, it's got a, a dike that you can see in the exposed face of the pu'u that goes out into the water, and that dike, which is hard stone, right, um, creates this almost like a tide pool behind it. So it's got a really sheltered pool, but it's really rough beyond it, right? So it's this combination of safe and dangerous, right? It's not lifeguarded like a lot of beaches are. I've never been. I only yeah. saw images of it, um, but I understand it's, it, at the time it wasn't easy to find, but now it's social media. And that's my next question to you, actually, Alan. Uh, being what you folks have to manage with state parks, I mean, social media is a game changer in so many different ways, and it's added, you know, I mean, it's a way to teach the world about a location, a destination, but boy, has it complicated lives when it comes to enforcement, management, and all of the above. Absolutely. Social media is, is, is our nemesis. Um, and the thing is, you know, there, I think there are, there are really powerful ways to use social media. It is a tool. I mean, everybody's on it. Um, it's a great way to get out messages. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people, you know, put out messages and, and they aren't the appropriate ones. The, the, the public has to try to filter through what's good advice and what's bad advice, right? And a lot of people are simply looking for that, um, you know, the Instagram shot or, you know, that just, I'm surprised how many people want to do what everybody else does, mm -hmm. right? For me, I, I was always trying to seek the, the road less taken and, um, you know, a place to be by myself. But, um, you know, we do have to acknowledge it's a powerful force in, in how people visit and vacation nowadays. Um, so we almost have to be smarter than they do in our use of it, right? Right. And that includes podcasts, you know. I mean, there are ways that we can hopefully spread the right word uh, of management. And the word management itself kind of sounds like, you know, government's big brother's watching me. But right. there's other ways to say, call hey, it protection, respect. Right? Yeah. Um, and I'm certainly, you know, I'm in a business where we welcome people, right? We just want to make sure, you know, resources first, public comes second, right? And um, we've seen, uh, we've all been graced with this. I mean, for better or worse, the pandemic wasn't a great thing, um, but it allowed us all to see what mm -hmm. life was like before tourism was the major economic engine for Hawaii, right? And uh, that glimpse, you know, was, was, it seemed like it was going to be forever, but it, it's, it was actually very short-lived. Yeah. kind of reverted back. But we have put in some, as you said, management mechanisms to make future visitation higher quality and to protect these resources that some of them showed up for us during the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the fact that our ocean had a chance to replenish some of the marine life and, and coral uh, grew. I mean, there was not just to mention our, our, our trails were able to re regrow and, and, and re replenish some of the things that left because of the heavy foot traffic. But it's, well, COVID's not POW, but definitely our visitors are back in force. And it's that management is so very tricky. Balance. Absolutely. Yeah. Balance okay. it is. Balance it is. But there's a reason why it's called the DLNR, and it's our natural resources. And if you don't protect it, those resources, like anything else, will disappear. Um, so going back to the Black Sand Beaches, and we'll wrap this up. So Hawaii Island, obviously the newest island of the island chain, Kauai being the eldest, if you will, are there any black sand beaches past Maui? So um, it's a good question. So there, there, Waimea, Kauai, right, the mouth of the river there, where we have another state park, which is um, 
has been the um, subject of some controversy and I think a correction of a historic wrong. Pa Ula Ula, state historic site, formerly known as Russian Fort Elizabeth. That's a story for another podcast. Yes. But right there at the mouth of the Waimea River, which is, drains the Waimea Canyon, um, is a beach that is often you know, called the Black Sand Beach. It's very gray, mm -hmm. brown. It's not formed the same way these other Black Sand Beaches, the iconic Black Sand Beaches, which require that um, intrusion of the lava into the ocean, right? And a, and a geologically recent flow, because Kauai is very, very old. So the sediments that, that come out there at the mouth of the Waimea River are generated deep in the valley. So it's erosion of those same volcanic rocks, mm -hmm. right, that are black in color and, and, and oxidized over time. Uh, so it is, it's unique for Kauai. You might call it a black sand beach, but I think it probably is. It's a little bit different, yeah. but it's, it, it's in a similar vein. Familiar with that area, actually a very popular surf spot over there too, uh, that takes a, a little bit of adventure to get to. Uh, we're talking about pakalas, and you literally have to run through a pasture of bulls to get to the surf right. destination. Yep. And the bulls have their own mind of what you know a surfboard and a surfer looks like. It's 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 kind of like ole, <laughs> you know, uh, just to go get to the ocean. But yeah, I'm familiar with that beach you speak of, and that's why I ask because I. I a lot of folks would say, no, 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 Kauai has a black sand beach. It's out there on, on, the, on the west side by Waimea, but that's a different There's diff different formation. So yeah. it's a good question. Is, yeah. it, is it technically a black sand beach or is it something else? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> your, your archaeology uh, background uh, as an archaeologist, um, how, did, how, how do you fold that into what you do today? I mean, it's, I'm sure there's it's so much to learn about a very young state um, when it comes to archaeology? Indeed. Um, good question. And I think, um, I think it's very important. Um, it's been critical to my development and my understanding of the park system because now that I'm in this position, you know, close to the top in administration, um, so many of my decisions are informed by those 20 years that I spent conducting archaeological research um, historical research, working with Hawaiian communities, and getting to know and understand the cultural resources, mm -hmm. which um, I think are at least as important as the natural ones, right? So it, take an iconic park like on Napali Coast, State Wilderness Park on Kauai. You know, our, that's our largest park. And, you know, we call it a wilderness. We call it a wilderness. But every one of those valleys is just completely modified by Hawaiians in traditional times. And um, so under that veil of green that you see from the, you know, the overhead shots is really, it's just blanketed with terraces built by Hawaiians. And, you know, people live there and farm there and died there, they're buried there. It is a, it's an amazing cultural landscape beneath that, that natural coating. Yeah. And so that, I, I, I think it was really critical um, that I had that background. Right? I like to tell people, I, I know the parks from the ground down, right? right. Because archaeologists dig holes. And, and, um, <laughs> I've, I've had the good fortune to work with a lot of great people um, to not only, um, I, I love mapping, right? So I've done a lot of, drawn a lot of rocks in my day. And um, I love that it's a non-invasive way. And these, they're fragile, right? I mean, Hawaiians use dry stack architecture. There's no, there's no mortar. Um, it's a rainy place. Things erode. And so the, you know, the, the sites, they, they, they crumble with time, just like a beach is formed, right? The, 
the Hawaiian cultural sites, the rock walls, they crumble with time too. So they're finite resources and um, definitely, uh, you know, I'm really glad that I got to learn a lot about those before I'm now in the role of making decisions. Yeah, you know, hey, that's, that's really cool for you to share. Thank you very much because I think not only that you've learned the appreciation of the culture side, you've actually, you're, you're very much in it. So when, when you feel somebody desecrates a petroglyph or, or such, you're feeling it too. Because this this is something that you've embraced and is a part of your life, so you know, absolutely that, that's, yeah. so that's my, awesome. Some of my saddest moments, I've you know I've seen sites disappear yeah. completely, right at the hands of people, and that's a really sad thing. Yeah. Well, thank you for your good work. I mean, there's a reason why you were here, sent here, and um, whatever it was several years ago, I would say several in geological senses. Uh, but there's a reason why you're sent here, Alan, and, and thank you for your good work. All right, Mahalo Nui for joining us, folks. Alan, thank you very much uh, for joining us as well. Join us next week for another episode of What School You Went. Until next time, ahoy ho. What School You Went is a PBS Hawaii production. Music by Taimane Gardner. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and tell your friends. You can find us on pbshawaii.org and everywhere you get your podcasts.